Hi, I'm Carson Raymond. Today, I'm joined by Robert Horvath, Darlington Class of 99 and Leadership Darlington Class of 2018, as well as Ben Bagley, Darlington Class of 2000 and Leadership Darlington Class of 2020. In our conversation, we touch on their time at Darlington, their paths since, and their current work as pilots for FedEx. Welcome to the Darlington Podcast, a production of Darlington School in Rome, Georgia. Join us as we take a look inside and outside our classrooms and connect with students, teachers, alumni, and more. Gentlemen, thank you for joining me. Good evening, Carson. My pleasure. Hey, Carson. Glad to be here. I am joined by Robert Hortman, class of 99, Mr. Ben Bagley, class of 2000. And we're chatting this evening because I'm connecting with two pilots whose schedules are, uh, to say the least, busy and particularly hectic. So I'm so appreciative of y'all building this in to your schedules about jet setting around the globe. So thank you so much for being with me. Of course. Absolutely. Well, Jess, we're just going to jump in on this. Your listeners, I know you've heard some of the other episodes and we'd like to jump in. First of all, talking about your years at Darlington and your experiences at Darlington. And we'll kind of fast forward to the present. And I'm going to let Robert start with this just to tell me a little bit about really how you landed at Darlington and then, and then Ben, if you follow suit. So Robert, take it away. Sure. Yeah, Carson. Uh, I grew up here in Rome and started at Darlington in kindergarten. And then back then it was in the old Thornwood buildings uh, on Shorter Avenue. Yes. Uh, but my dad was a graduate and grew up here in Rome and so did I. And that's that's kind of how how I got, got to be at Darlington. Okay. And it's my understanding there's quite an expansive, it's your siblings also are dark grads. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. And you've got... Some little ones at Darlington now, correct? The next generation. I do. My wife Nancy and I have a kindergartner and a rising third grader. Okay. Hustle and bustle, I know for sure with those ages. And Ben, what about you? You landed at Darlington now. Well, I guess similar to Robert in some ways, it seemed to be a little bit of a family tradition uh, on his end and possibly on mine as well. My brothers are 10 and 11 years older than I am. Okay. And they, they graduated uh, Darlington as well, Lee Bagley and Burt Bagley. They started as freshmen at uh, Darlington in high school. They were at uh, other schools in Rome when my parents first moved to Rome and um and I think since I was so much later uh, in the family addition, mm-hmm. they had recommended that, you know, you need to start down at this school as a kindergartner. And that's where I started instead of starting that freshman year of high school. Okay. And, uh, that just kind of worked out that way. Well, wonderful. And, and Ben, tell me a little bit about, uh, let's focus on the high school years. Once we uh, get into high school, what was your focus uh, outside of the classroom? Were you involved in a myriad of activities? Was it uh, you know kind of the athletics, a little bit of music, a little bit of everything? What were you involved with? Yeah, I mean, I guess a little bit of everything. I mean, there's obviously after school curricular activities that everybody participates in, but mm-hmm. you know, sports was a thing for me with uh, football and golf. Okay. And, uh, student council was, uh, you know, class president stuff here and there uh, for mm-hmm. some of those years, and involved mm-hmm. in that regard. So, uh, yeah, I mean, there was definitely, definitely a full-time job. It felt like uh, being at Darlington and, you know, obviously wouldn't have any other way. But, uh, yes, so, uh, sundown, right? Of course. And, and Robert, for you as well, I believe there are some athletic accolades I've heard about. Uh, well, just like Ben, I, I uh, enjoyed playing football and then lacrosse in the spring. Uh, and then outside of that, uh, 
kind of on a whim when I was a sophomore, they were looking for a sports editor for the school newspaper. And I thought, you know what? That'd be interesting. And so I did that and ended up really enjoying it. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, spent a lot of time there in the school newspaper, which was, I would have never dreamed, uh, I would have done that, but that's just one of the neat opportunities that you find at Darlington that you might not necessarily have thought about going into it. Certainly. Um, I want to not fast forward too much, but, but hit on this Robert of, uh, post Darlington with your collegiate step. Can you walk me through that? Cause I, I'm trying to connect here. Were there athletics that you pursued in college too? Is that correct? Uh, pursue is probably an apt term there. Carson. I was, uh, I think the, the third string quarterback on a team that went 0 and 12 my, my freshman year and, and realized that that was not, not where I, I meant to, was meant to be. And I played, ended up playing lacrosse up there at Navy for the rest of my time, which was okay. much better. Well, I think you was, you were all American, I think, weren't you Robert in high school or what did you, what did you accomplish lacrosse wise? Weren't you dominating it down here? Well, uh, I, I was very fortunate. Yeah, we had some good, we had some good times. <laughs> we glossed over that detail exactly. So you pursue the Naval Academy, and um, I'll circle back to that. And, and for you, Ben, you're an Auburn grad. Is that accurate? That's right. War equal. That's correct. Okay. Uh, and your aviation training happened there or no? I, I, I'm guessing not. It, it did to some degree. Um, I, I kind of was able to start flying younger. Um, my grandmother bought me a flying lesson when I was 13 years old. And I read books and studied so hard after that first lesson that she paid once a month for me to have flying lessons. So uh, she knew how passionate I was about it. So all that being said, I was able to get a couple of license and ratings knocked out before I went to Auburn. And then when I was a freshman there, um, I went through their instructor program and was uh, instructing for the university as I was working through school there. Oh, okay. And so did you finish up in in four years with that training or was there additional, you follow me as far as your time? Yeah. I mean, that stuff's built into the aviation program, the aviation management degree. So in a way I almost chiseled away almost a semester before I showed up with the ratings and things I was fortunate enough to tackle while I was at Darlington. Yes. Um, But it just, flying is all about building hours and taking the next step to the next job. And of course, especially when you look at the civilian route. So the fact that I was able to start flight instructing, which is a big transition because for once you're not paying for all those flying lessons, you're not making hardly anything, but at least you're not spending money to build those hours. Phenomenal. And, and, and Robert, your, your training post Naval Academy concerning aviation was how many years? It's ongoing. I understand that. But walk me through kind of the chronology of you finish at Navy, it's six years active duty, or can you walk me through the yeah it's um you know it's really pretty funny uh while ben and i have ended up in a really similar place we, we took almost two completely opposite roads to get there yes uh, so yeah. I, I i didn't know flying in college at all uh, okay just a just a student just an engineering student with an engineering degree and, okay. uh, and then in your senior year you you know go through interviews and there's kind of a selection process and they match up with your choices uh and uh, you know, I, I got, I, I picked aviation. And so I went to, after college, all that was done. Mm-hmm. And then I went off to flight school. Okay. And, uh, yeah. I, I think it turns out to be an eight and a half year commitment uh, on active duty after that. 
Uh, but I, I stayed in for a lot longer just because it was uh, it was a blast. And you're and you're still involved. Am I right in saying that through the reserves, the Navy? I'm still in the reserves, correct? But I, I don't fly in the reserves anymore. I understand. Got it. Um, well, very good. And 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 as far as y'all's y'all's flying. Um, I know we're not going to dig too, too deep in the trenches of the ins and outs of your years of training and the, the ongoing training. Uh, Robert's joining me from, from Memphis presently, as I know he's doing some continuing education. Um, I, I want to hit on y'all's, y'all's uh, get into the career steps and, and where you've lived across the globe. So I'm taking you I all over the world right now, but you've lived for two to three years in different stints across the globe, right? Robert, where, where, where were you? Well, I, I uh, bounced around a lot in flight school. Mm-hmm. So I started out in Pensacola, Florida, mm-hmm. into Enid, Oklahoma, then Meridian, Mississippi, mm-hmm. and then out to Lemoore, California. Wow. Uh, my first active duty station was at Sugi, Japan. So wow. uh, I, I was in the process of getting married when, when I moved out there okay. shortly thereafter. So my wife, Nancy, and I lived in Japan for three years. Uh, and it was great. It was one of those opportunities that I, I didn't even know that was an option mm-hmm. until they told us, uh, told me I was going to Japan. I thought either the East coast or West coast of the United States, but, uh, one of the greatest things that happened to me, just so many wonderful experiences being over there, uh, that I, I didn't even know that existed. Uh, mm-hmm. So I feel real fortunate got to do that. Uh, and then we moved back to the States in a small town of Reno, I'm sorry, of, of Fallon, Nevada, which is about an hour east of Reno. Okay. We were there for three and a half years, and then we moved to Virginia Beach, uh, and that's where I ended up, ended up uh, my active duty time. Oh, wow. And you wrapped up that chapter, and then and then back to Rome, right? Uh, then, yeah. Okay. Well, very good. And, and Ben, what about you? Because it's my understanding there was a chapter in Hong Kong. That's right. That's right. So uh, when I was first hired at FedEx – the, uh, there were some options or opportunities that you could choose to go abroad if you wanted to. Um, it seemed that not all the pilots wanted to go live abroad, but it was an option. It was not mandatory. They could not make you go there. Mm-hmm. But we were, uh, Miranda and I were newlyweds at the time. Um, we actually got married in between my training at FedEx, my in-doc training, and my uh, Airbus training that I went to. Okay. But, we chose to uh, go out to Hong Kong, and it was a minimum of a two-year commitment. We loved it. We extended it a year, uh, and then we wanted to do something totally different, so we moved to Anchorage after that. Um, and then we had a little stint back in Tennessee, Chattanooga, Tennessee, whenever uh, we finished up in Anchorage. I think this month is back for two two years now. We've been uh, back in Rome, Georgia, so it has been uh, absolutely awesome uh, leading back to Rome. No doubt. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask as a former language teacher with all the different stops that y'all are referencing, was the language barrier significant or not, not, not so much? Uh, did you acquire some of the variety of languages? Are, are you tr- trilingual now, Ben? With <laughs> No, I wish I could say something of that nature, but I'm not. I'm not. Uh, Hong Kong, it, you know, I don't know what Robert's going to say about being in Japan, but, uh, I don't think when people see you on the street, they expect you in Hong Kong to just straight up drop some Cantonese on them, which uh, Cantonese being the dying language it is in China anyway, it's transitioning. They're only teaching Mandarin. 
but it being Brit owned for so long, all the street signs were in English and in oh, Cantonese. So that was, it was very, very easy to get around. Germany was a little bit different and you tried to learn enough just to be polite, but uh, very elementary vocabulary. Without a doubt, I'm embarrassed to say. No, yeah, no. Somebody walks up to you in the street, they just start uh, dropping German on you like nothing. And I didn't have that problem in Hong Kong. Got it. What about for you, Rob? You and Nancy when you're in Japan? Well, um, I lived in Japan. I was gone a lot, so I, I certainly there a certain amount of time. But I, I knew enough pleasantries to get around, uh, and and you learn really quickly. As as much as cultures are different, we're all very similar. Uh, and a smile and a head nod and, and uh, hand gestures can get you can get you a lot further than you think. Yeah, no doubt. I, I'd, I'd imagine. Uh, Maybe y'all travel back to said locations, or you have since since you lived there, and it it, it probably bring back some wonderful memories of those chapters, no doubt. Um, I want to talk about your travel now, now Robert. Uh, we've connected recently, and we caught up on I think you were a couple of days back from being in Paris, France. Uh, ben, you do a similar route. Is that is that right? You're no, I think it, it it's very dependent on. Robert, you can, you know, embellish on this and, and help me out, but it depends on which airplane you're on. If that mm-hmm. is a big piece of that puzzle. I mean, if you're flying the 777 or Robert's transitioning off the MD-11 right now, that is a very international airplane. It does fly domestically, um, but predominantly it's flying all around the world. Got it. Uh, I'm on the 7-6, which has maybe, if I had to throw it out there, you know, 15, 20% international flying on it. It can do the long haul stuff, but it's predominantly used for domestic stuff. So it's been nice being domestic as opposed to being international in some regards with the COVID thing. Depending on what airplane you're on has a lot to do with that. Robert, you jump in. For the last 18 months, I've been pretty much international. It's been mentioned. I'm I'm transitioning to another plane, so I'm not going to do a whole lot more of that. COVID has presented a lot of interesting challenges. Certainly. Uh, As countries have closed their borders, they've allowed FedEx to enter, uh, but we've got a lot of restrictions put on us. And I would say for the overwhelming majority of the time I've been abroad, I've been stuck at a hotel room. With and unable to get out. So on, on rare occurrences, as uh, kind of spikes and in, in, uh, valleys kind of it, it emerged during COVID, uh, we would get let out, at, you know, at certain uh, times. And you certainly take advantage of that. But that's, uh, hmm. but in this certain period of history, uh, our travel international is not not as glamorous as you would think. Yeah. Well, I know uh, I speak on behalf of plenty of folks, uh, FedEx customers or not, certainly appreciate the work you're doing, both domestically and or overseas, which brings me to a point of something that we highlighted last spring on the Darlington Advancement kind of social circuits, uh, social media circuits, rather, of uh, y'all, y'all uh, cross paths, I guess you, you told me earlier, in, in Memphis coming off some routes. And it's our understanding that one, if not both of you were transporting vaccines, is that is that accurate? Yeah, I think uh, it, it is. It's it's funny as much as I see Ben around in Rome, we'll randomly run into each other in, in Paris or, or Memphis or other places. And then that night, I think we were it was in Memphis where we saw each other, and uh, it was one of the. If it wasn't the first, it was maybe the second night of vaccine shipments. And uh, normally, you know, we don't pay a whole lot of attention to what's in the back. Uh, the, high, the high value stuff we do, but. It was obviously a lot of press and a lot of buzz and, frankly, a lot of excitement uh, everywhere with, with you know, transporting the, the vaccine. So that was uh, neat to be a part of. 
think that's phenomenal. Um, well, well, gentlemen, your your careers, uh, your your time at Darlington through your careers, most impressive, no doubt, uh, with, the, with the stops along the way. And we already alluded to the fact that your your families are, are back in Rome. Your your children are enrolled at Darlington, and that next generation of your families are going to be Darlington Tigers. I want I want to take a moment, if you would, with me to reflect on uh, really kind of those who made an impact on your lives in your Darlington chapters, maybe with whom you still keep in contact or whom you see now here and there, grabbing a cup of coffee or grabbing a meal in Rome. Some of those influential mentors from your time at Darlington, if you could reflect back on that for me. Why don't you take that away, Robert? Um, sure. It, it's hard to narrow down um, specific teacher mentors because they they all are very formidable. The two that really stuck out to me when I when I thought about this was uh, first I would say Craig Schmidt, who I had as a as a freshman and sophomore in history, mm-hmm. uh, and it wasn't just rote memorization of history. I think he really taught us how to think and analyze uh, and and figure out the whys uh, and really you know, much more of an independent thinking uh, aspect of it, which okay. was great. Uh, and then. When I was a junior, I had Skip Saunders for English, and he really taught me how to write. Uh, mm-hmm. So not that I am a good writer now, but I'm much better than I was before. Uh, and it was uh, his his teaching style uh, was was really great. Uh, and then, you know, on the athletic field, uh, I had just so many great coaches, but I, I still keep in uh, pretty close contact with with Coach Atham. We we try to have coffee. Uh, once a week or every other week when I'm in town, neither it, it's not enough for either one of us. But uh, that's a a, f- a coaching player mm-hmm. relationship that has really blossomed to a great friendship, uh, and so that that that's cool. And that that relationship means a lot to me too. And it's special. Well, and um, I, I I love hearing the two mentors you mentioned from the classroom happen to be those in the realm of humanities, but you pursued an engineering degree. So you, you, you hit all corridors of the academic experience. I love that. Um, what about for you, Ben? You know, there's, uh, there's a couple of names that come to mind when I just look back and, uh, you know, some of them may surprise you because one of them wasn't even a teacher of mine, but uh, Brian Boone was administrative, I think, whenever I was there. Yes. And the way that he interacted with students, uh, it's hard to explain, but the, the first thing that comes to mind is he just showed a lot of respect for anybody. And I'll always remember that with Brian Boone, that when he looked at you, he really wanted to know how you're doing. He wanted to know what was going on in your life and he'd spend time to talk to you. So Brian's one, uh, Lee Hark was actually a really good friend and mentor of mine because we, uh, he tutored me when I was in middle school. I'll always uh, remember and making learning kind of as nerdy as it sounds, as fun as possible in any way he could for uh, English stuff. Well, certainly a bunch of uh, influential figures for y'all no doubt and um i know that uh, amidst the faculty and, and staff those relationships and really kind of strong bonds abound through all the divisions and i, I just so appreciate y'all sharing that with me through this podcast series we're hopeful that uh, everyone with whom we connect can give us some little nuggets of wisdom that we can share with young grads for you know their college years or when they're right out of undergrad and pursuing their, their first full-time jobs if you could give me kind of a blanket tips and tricks of advice you give some, some of the young Dar, Dar alums, what would that be? What would you say, Ben? You no, know, I think it would be um, find something you love to do, I guess, as simply put as I could say. Just, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, 
I'm lucky enough to do something and, and there's negatives of every job, but I hate leaving my family going away to work, but I honestly love my job. If you can find something that uh, you enjoy doing, it just doesn't seem quite as much like I know that can be hard for people trying to branch out and finding things that they really uh, have a passion for, but enjoy doing in life and try to work towards that goal. Wonderful. Thank you, Ben. What about for you, Robert? You, Carson, as you mentioned, uh, Darlington and, and connections there, uh, two Darlington grads that I knew and were uh, mentors of mine uh, growing up with is Roger Shepard and also Bill Kelly. They were both Darlington grads uh, and were both Naval Academy grads. And so I yeah. kind of followed them there. And uh, uh, Roger helped me get on at FedEx too. And, it, and it's really great that we can, you know, we, we hang out and play golf together in town. And, and it's, uh, it's really fun to have those connections. So I would say you know, don't, don't limit yourself with what you think might happen because you just never know. Um, and as far as advice, I would say to, to Darlington grads, I would say if, if there's something that interests you, go do it. You know, go go try it out. It might work out. It might not. I and mean, who knows if it's going to be a career or not. But just a hobby or something that, that makes you happy. That I got involved in a lot of things uh, that way that I, I just kind of backed myself into that was, uh, was fun. So don't, don't kind of paint yourself into a box. Absolutely. Both wonder, all, all wonderful tips, gentlemen. I appreciate you sharing them with me. And, um, you know, as we reflect on some of the stuff you shared with us tonight, it's uh, Robert, you alluded to it. Y'all took very separate paths professionally um, and, you know, uh, class of 99 and then 2000, a few decades later, colliding back in Rome, raising your families in Rome. And, and I think a lot of that goes back to that Darlington community. And I know it means a lot to our community that y'all are back in Rome. I really appreciate you taking the time tonight to connect. Hope you enjoyed it. And I know your next flights will uh, soon be around the corner and uh, probably some early mornings and, and hope to catch you on campus before too long, gentlemen. Thank you for doing this. I really appreciate it. For sure. Yeah. Thanks, Carson. Thanks. Enjoyed it. Okay, guys. Cheers. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Darlington Podcast. Tune in each week wherever you'd like to listen to podcasts and don't forget to subscribe. Check out today's show notes at www.darlingtonschool.org podcast. If you have questions about today's program or ideas for a future episode, send an email to communications at darlingtonschool.org. The Darlington Podcast, a production of Darlington School in Rome, Georgia, is a collaboration between the communication, advancement, and IT teams, and the intro music is student-produced. See show notes and hear more episodes at darlingtonschool.org slash podcast.